welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to workforce and talent experts from around the world, covering market trends, technology, and our ever-evolving dynamic industry. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the new host of Allegis Global Solutions Subject to Talent podcast. And while I'm new to this hosting gig, I'm definitely not new to the talent industry, having been in the game for over 40 years. I'm excited to be here today with our guest, Sean Burton. Sean is the founder of Hiring Solved, a leading talent intelligence platform. And we're going to be discussing how companies are and should be using artificial intelligence to help them find and retain the very best talent. Welcome, Sean, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So as our regular listeners will know, uh, we like to start off all of our podcasts hearing how our guests got to where they are today. So, uh, Sean, can you tell us how you came to be in the workforce solutions industry and the backstory on founding Hiring Solved? Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I actually, I was an engineer and didn't like recruiters very much. Um and uh, then finally went through a cycle where I did like them because I realized they could negotiate for me, which was great. And then I got talked into little 10 years later or so, I got talked into starting a recruiting firm by a great recruiter. And uh, this was in San Francisco um, in the tech industry there. So we started recruiting for uh, hard to find tech, particularly uh, for customers like Google, Apple, um, some of the big tech companies and some of the early stage startups that became huge, like Dropbox and and uh, others. So, um, oh, Twitter, Twitter when they were six people. So we were doing that. And uh, I was just shocked as an engineer. I was shocked at how hard that was, like at, at how hard we had to work to place people. Um, and immediately started thinking about, well, I should say after about a year of beating my head against the wall, started thinking about how can we automate some of this stuff? How can we make some some of this process a little bit easier? Because the amount of hours it would take us to place, you know, an engineer at Google was just ridiculous, you know? So that's that's the, where the idea for hiring solve came from. And what year was that without aging you? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was 2011. So the recruiting, I'd been doing recruiting for about two years. Okay. Uh, by that time where I sort of was like, wait a second, there's got to be a different way to do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll dive back into hiring solved a bit later on in the conversation. But uh, the topic today is around um, the hype around artificial intelligence. Um, you know, you, every day you see something online about AI or ML, and there's a lot of hype around that. But not many people, I think, really take a, have a deep understanding of what artificial intelligence actually is. So. Let me ask you a simple question to ask, but I don't know how easy it is to answer, but simple for me to ask is, uh, what can AI do and what can't it do? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, so what we have today uh, in, in the sort of state of the art of AI, it can do things, some things that humans can do, for example, image recognition or finding patterns in video, audio, documents, things like that. Uh, that previously only humans could really do. So examples of that are, you know, look at a resume. Let's say we've got a stack of a thousand black and white resumes and I give them to a human and say, tell me which ones are male and which ones are female, right? All there, no pictures, just black and white resumes printed out. So 
previously, if we go back maybe 20 years, um, that was pretty hard for a computer to do and it wouldn't be very good at it. Um, the, the best, you know, humans are looking at, they're great at pattern matching. They're great at looking at that snapshot and very quickly figuring out based on essentially a pattern, whether that's male or female, and they'll put that in a pile. Where we are today is that artificial intelligence lets us do a punch, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, because it's been, we've been able to train it on lots of samples and, and there's lots of different techniques. But so we, we think about, you know, show me, only give me the pictures of dogs and I'm going to give you a million pictures or only show me the YouTube videos that show cats or show me which emails are spam or the diversity sort of resume idea that I just talked about. Machines are actually quite good at doing this. What they can't do uh, is what we call generalized artificial intelligence. So that's sort of your C3PO where it can just do anything. It could tie a shoe, it could play a game of chess. The same system could could tell jokes, could you know fix a broken dishwasher. We don't have that. And and then just to be clear, nobody in the world has that. This is a an unsolved problem, as they say in AI, so which is this general intelligence. So is the word artificial even the right word for it? I mean it's in the lexicon now, but is it truly artificial? Well, it's really interesting. When you, that's, that's a great, interesting question, too, because I think what AI is showing us, and particularly when we think about neural networks, what they're showing us is that maybe what this looks like is this is an underlying organizational principle of the universe. Like, literally, it doesn't matter that the techniques that we're using and the, and the neural networks that we're, that we're using, those structures happen to be based in software, but they, they're, they're, you know, the, the melon on top of my head does a lot of the same stuff. So there's this idea, for example, of reinforcement learning, um, a depressed human, a depressed human brain has certain chemical changes that make it less good at reinforcement learning. It's, it's less good at perceiving the pleasure that comes with doing the thing right. And so it's literally less good in a depressed human brain uh, at that type of learning. Uh, we have reinforcement learning in in you know artificial neural networks that work the same way, but they tend not to get depressed because we can control that, right? But but yeah, it, it is a good word for it. And there's a the whole other debate of whether this or that thing is AI or not. But when we think of artificial neural networks, um, they are absolutely what you know they they earn that um, moniker because they really are a structure that is very similar to what's going on and what we think is going on in the human brain and animal brains. Right. And obviously, this has been around for a long time. I know it's always been called AI or not, but I'm thinking back, you know, when Watson was playing chess and beating the world masters, that is the artificial intelligence. I'm, I'm sure the, the machine is understanding if this, you know, joining the dots of 30 moves ahead the same way as a brain would that's been trained that way. So it's been around for so long, but why is it, why is it uh, AI, AI so hard in the world of human resources? If it is, you, I mean, do you feel that human resources are behind other industries? Yes, it's crushingly hard in human resources. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I had only known that, Bruce, uh, go, before I went in. Uh, yeah. Uh, so human resources, it, what, what it is, is neural networks are not good at explaining why they know something. So still today, you know, if you look at the science around how someone actually catches a baseball, um, there's a lot of complexity going there and there, and there's not a great description of how that really works at a, at a really granular level. 
the problem and, and computer neural networks are the same. There's there's kind of a you know saying in the industry that goes the better the the better the thing works, the less we understand why it works. So a lot of these artificial neural networks are very much black box things in the sense that we generally understand the structure, but we unlike unlike a sort of traditional software, deterministic software, it's very hard for us to trace through step by step and understand why the AI arrived at a decision. And that turns out because HR is this heavily regulated industry, um, as is something like medicine where you know there are lawsuits and stuff for doing it wrong, um, it turns out that that's crushingly hard. I, I think aside aside from that, when we use our example of um, you know resumes, so today you know for example hiring salt this is something we've been working on since uh, probably 2014, and it's just you know get a system that can reliably tell us based on no other information than sort of a black and white resume paper you know idea of a resume whether a candidate or an applicant is male or female. Um, we now have systems that do this better than humans. So, you know, of course, the machine can do that in less than one second. Human would take quite a bit longer to do a thousand resumes. The machine's going to be more accurate over, you know, any decent sample size than the human. Problem is, that's not good enough in HR tech. So, in other industries, like for example, financial trading, we have AI making AI-based decision systems that are making trades and doing all this crazy stuff at light speed. But we don't expect them all. The only thing we expect in finance is that they they perform well. So at the end of the day, we don't care why they thought what they thought, why they just dumped Bitcoin today and it went down 30 or 40 percent. We don't care what the answer is as long as they're performing well over you know, a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, in HR tech, that's very that's very much not the case. We we because of the compliance in the industry, it isn't good enough just to perform well. You have to perform well in a compliant way, which turns out to be right. really, really difficult. Yeah, well, you made your bed and you got to line it, I guess. You got into the industry. Yes, so, yeah. It's full of spikes and glass, but yes. Yeah. So it's a, that's a nice segue into my next question um, in terms of defining terms. And you're a leading organization in talent intelligence. Um, so how do you define or describe what talent intelligence is? Um, well, we're, I look at it as the analog to business intelligence. So, you know, I, I look at it as um, in the in the eighties and nineties, we we had built these database systems that contained all this data. We had accounting and you know supply systems, supply chain, ERP, all this different stuff, but we didn't have much intelligence. We had systems that could tell us what the price of something was, but we didn't have systems that told us large scale trends and could give us predictions based on those trends. Uh, business intelligence in in the IT world changed all that by networking all those systems together and, and pulling all that data together to bring a layer of intelligence above all that that the business could look at look at and realize gosh you know we use this one part in fifty different planes if we could save ten cents on that part it would really create a lot of savings for example um, so talent intelligence I think of as the same thing it's it's really there's a tremendous treasure trove of data in in all these companies it's the it's the hris system that's telling us you know who what type of people have been successful at the company how what does longevity look like at company at the company uh, how does that break down geographically uh, and by department by hiring manager all these different trends that are that are historical and then we've got the sort of ats and apply side and and who's applying and who's being accepted and how are they processing through interviews and things like that and then we've got things like um, performance management systems and 
and CRM systems to figure out all this other data. So talent intelligence is really sitting on top of all that, just in the same way as business intelligence was. And it's making it's it's producing intelligence. Literally, it's it's distilling intelligence from all that information and lets us make recommendations and show patterns that we just didn't know were there. That's exciting. And I, as you're saying all that, I can imagine some of our listeners thinking, okay, that sounds like a lot of integrations for a lot of different systems. Is this one of those, there's the danger of the CIO putting it in the too hard bucket when you, when you get into those types of conversations. The size of the prize sounds amazing, but how do you get across some of those mm-hmm. challenges of having to plug in those different data sources? I mean, it, it is a huge challenge. It is a huge part of the challenge, just as it was with uh, with business intelligence yeah. um, back in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's brutal. Actually, we know, you know, we've seen a couple startups pretty well funded, you know, 10, 20 million in funding, just pack up and go home largely because of the, of the integration or, or compliance challenges. So it is, it is challenging, Bruce, but uh, this, I would, I I always have said we, we are probably one of the world's foremost experts at, at getting data out of systems. Um, We're pretty good at it. So that's, that's one of the things that we're, that we focus a lot on is, and we find, we actually find that's that's the very beginning stage of that intelligence. Um, what, what we're seeing right now is that as soon as we get access to the first data set, um, we're able to tell, we're able to generate a, a data quality report, give it back to the customer. And before we've even done anything, they're not even in the hiring solve system. What it does for them is it shows them how likely, how ready they are for automation. And we, we have these amazing findings like, well, <clears throat> you know, some company has, 5 million records and they think, gosh, this is really valuable data. Once once we analyze that data, we, we give them this report and we realize, hey, 27% of those are missing emails. 35% of those records, those millions of records are missing resumes. There's no attachment to them. So, um, and then as we, as we step through this data and show them, that's super valuable because they're still collecting all this data every day, in some cases in a really poor quality way that doesn't, you know, that, that's the other th- interesting thing about AI is it runs on data. It doesn't really work well in the absence of data. So if you've got millions of people applying, but you're not getting collecting a resume for them, there's going to be some real limits to the type of automation you can do, for example. Right, right. That's a great point. And I love that line I've heard you use in the past saying, what does your data know that you don't? I think that's such a provocative and a great question because it's, um, well, yeah. And it, it's the data is there, as you say, it's just getting access to it and making sense of it. I remember some years ago, um, an IT software client of ours, we, we just did some manual tracking of who their superstars were in their sales team and who were the ones that, you know, they're wanting to get rid of after a year were leaving. And amongst all the data we were collecting, there was this one organization, one of their competitors, if they hired people from that competitor, that had less than two years of experience, they were a superstar. If they hired people from the same organization that had been with that competitor more than seven years, they they bombed and they left within a year. And when I presented that to the global head of sales, it's like, wow, why is that? Like, do you care? He said, no, I don't. I said, exactly. <laughs> right. Just stop doing that and do more of that. Right. And it's, you know, and that's just one little nugget of that, you know, you can, if you spend the time to do that, the answers are there, right? The answers are within. It's just how do you get to that and what do you do with it? Um, 100%. So talking of which, could you, um, just for our listeners to bring this to life a bit, just share some examples of how some of your clients, the converted, the ones that have seen the light, 
how they're using talent and uh, sorry talent intelligence to their advantage. Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> I'll, I'll I'll give a couple anecdotes. I mean, that are real world. Uh, one customer, well, very large staffing firm was um, was being you know had, had a diversity initiative and was working for a large multi, uh, multinational company doing a ton of hiring. And the diversity initi- initiative said, essentially said hire, you know, we need to be hiring more women and we need to see that percentage, those percentages uh, increase across the pipeline. So we want to see more women in interviews. We want to see more women in the, in the, you know, pre-interview pipeline, all that kind of stuff. And ultimately what we, what we really want to measure is a large uh, gain in women hires across the board. They didn't, they didn't uh, have the intelligence available to f- kind of parse back to the customer and say, "Here's where this is realistic and not." And one of the one of the major re- uh, requirements, because this customer had, I won't say there any of these names, but they had a, a let's just say a major company, a couple two major companies that do a lot of warehousing. So one of the major hot wrecks was forklift operators, and they were beating their heads against the wall because they just couldn't achieve this this required diversity mix and particularly around female forklift operators. So, you know, one of the things our system does is uh, it, it can provide, you can, you can say, you can run a search and you can actually, in our system, you can actually talk to it like a series. So you can say, you know, find me forklift operators in Wichita, Kansas with five years experience or something. And it comes back and you can say how many are female and it'll give you the percentage. And then you can say, how does this compare with the workforce? And from then, from there, it will go out and do a web search and try and figure out how how your data, how your apply data or your database numbers compared to the general workforce that we see out there on the web. What we came back, what the system came back with, and I did this live with them, what the system comes back with is, you know, about 4% of all forklift operators are female. In, across the entire United States, there's about 4% they're female. Probably intuitive to us, but... You know that was just a landmark moment to watch watch that team see those see that data presented and it's a it highlights a type of capability this is where i think artificial intelligence is really interesting because you know manually you couldn't do this computation it would it would be grossly manpower uh you know excessive to to sit there and try and analyze that analyze the web right um, but we can do that in seconds and they can go back to their hiring manager and say, hey, you know, here are these five positions. One of them is forklift operator. The other one, you know, there's, there's four more of them that we don't think we can hit the diversity on just because you or you're going to have to give us way more resources because, you know, we're fighting against the current here. So that's one example. Um, other examples are, are, you know, even simpler than that. Uh, we, you know, helped Lowe's hire uh, 70,000 people in 90 days. Wow. And, uh, 70,000 in 90 days. 70,000 in 90 days were, you know, it's in, cool. in the news article. This is pre pandemic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I think 2019. And, uh, one of the things that they, they have very good data. Lowe's has amazing data and they're very artful in the way that they think about it. But one of the things our system was able to do is, was find, and boost the relevance of anyone that had ever worked at other similar stores and get those people to the top of the list because they had similar experience. And, you know, those, that seems really simple and silly, but again, 
sometimes artificial intelligence isn't really the sexy, cool stuff that's talking to you and making graphs. Sometimes it's something as simple as parsing through a bunch of, you know, again, paper, res- you know, or black and white resumes and figuring out right. correctly, uh, par- just parsing the data, figuring out correctly who, well, who worked at, you know, some other hardware store that might be more relevant that we should bring to the top. This got me thinking, do you think this is a, uh, is it filling a gap that potentially should have been in the ATSs from the get-go, or I guess, well, when that intelligence is there, it seems as if you're, you, you're adding value and getting more value out of an ATS system. Would that be correct? Uh, yes, um, you're definitely adding value to the ATS. And I kind of look at it as, <clears throat> going back to that business intelligence versus talent intelligence, there are some real technical reasons why the ATS isn't the tool to do this with. Um, and, and it's similar to the business intelligence stuff. Um, in business intelligence, we have a data warehouse, right? And, mm-hmm. and really what that was, was, was a, a different technology that was much better at, at crunching data in a non-relational uh, way. So, so right. the ATS is there. And what, the way I look at the ATS is, you know, ATS is a gold mine, but but the gold mine never said it was easy to get the gold out of. That's not the gold mine's job, the, right? <laughs> right? The gold mine's yeah. job is just to hold the gold and uh, yeah. keep it safe. Um, and it does a great job at that. So, so uh, yeah, the ATS, and that's the other interesting thing is that the ATS does a lot of stuff. It's the reason we've never become an ATS. You know, it does, does, these days it does a lot of stuff related to compliance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and making sure that that data stays whole and we can track it and, and all that sort of stuff. But we have the flexibility as as a you know not a system of record. I think you want to keep those things separate. I think you want to have the flexibility to go in and say we're gonna we're gonna access data across a bunch of containers, and we're going to bring them together in a new way with a new type of technology. And I think that that becomes sticky for the ATS because of what it is. Yeah, and that's a great analogy. That gold mine, and you like it's there to protect it in a way and hide it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why ATS were designed for compliance and everything else. And and then we complain that they don't do the cool stuff that you can do. Yeah, uh, they're never built to do that. that. That's a that's a great great point. Um, and my understanding is you are not unique, but slightly unusual for a software company that you serve both the staffing industry and organizations TA functions as well. Is that is it the same product, same conversations you have both sides of that fence, or is it are they yeah. coming at it from different angles? Absolutely, the same product on both sides. Uh, they do come at it from completely different angles. I'll be honest and say we've we've really pivoted more. We we were always into big corporations because mm-hmm. we tend to solve problems. Um, it's easier to, to to see the benefit of our of our solutions if you're having a lot of scale, like the Lowe's example. Right. Um, but post pandemic, um, we're really focused on staffing firms from a sales perspective. We find that they they move very very fast. We find that they're very very busy because of the the shortage of talent that's out there. And at the end of the day, we just we just make their bottom line fatter quicker, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas the well, they get paid for finding the needle in the haystack. Yeah, right? exactly. They get paid for for doing that. And uh, corporate, although it's exactly the same prop. Uh, product, uh, corporate uses actually completely different features. Staffing staffing doesn't really get applies. You know, staffing goes out and hunts. Uh, they're they're, they're right. the hunters. Um, so they don't get people just applying. Um, so there's literally feature sets, even though they, they run the same software, staffing doesn't so much use our some of our apply scoring stuff. Just They just don't use it because they don't get applies. Whereas corporate, 
um, in, in a lot of big corporates, they're just drowning in apply, especially when things go crazy with the pandemic and stuff like that. I, I remember, you know, when I was out of a job in the in the tech bust of, you know, the 2002 or whatever, I was sitting there without a job. Yeah, I would apply to anything. You know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I can cut wood. I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a security engineer, but I mean, I can do a little cooking or whatever you need. Why not apply, right? right? Yeah. What, what the heck? Yeah. What's the cost to me to apply to all these different jobs, right? right? So, so yeah, we do see a lot of differences. We love the staffing companies, right, uh, in the last year because they're moving very fast and they immediately see that uh, increased uh, bottom line with our software. Yeah, well, that's great. It's great you've been able to pivot in a way to that market. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, Sean, we're coming up to time here. So obviously, I want to thank you for joining us today and making sense of what is sometimes a bit of a black hole or these phrases people throw around. So I think our audience are uh, far more educated um, than they were 30 minutes ago, hopefully, in terms of the ins and outs and uh, of AI. But so those folks that want to learn more about talent intelligence and the particular hiring solved, uh, how do we find you? Uh, just go to hiringsolved.com and uh, check us out. Great. Thanks, Sean, and uh, really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much, Bruce. To learn more about AGS, please check us out at AllegisGlobalSolutions.com. You can also send questions for me or our guests. Just tweet us here at Allegis Global with the hashtag subject to talent or email us at subject to talent at leadersglobalsolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Until next time, cheers.